When I was in seminary, there was a little while there early on that I went through a bit of a crisis and was really nervous about progressing on. And what had happened was a priest that I really looked up to and worked with uh, on a couple of breaks, especially like over Easter and putting the whole triduum together and doing a lot of things with really smart guy, really outgoing, just like the kind of guy I wanted to be. Well, in the middle of, I want to say it was my second year of seminary, he ended up leaving. He uh, had an affair and was gone. It was really scandalous. It hit the news, all this kind of stuff. And that really shook me on a lot of different angles. But in particular, I mean, it hurt. It hurt that he was you know, leaving like this, somebody I was looking up to. And my big fear was the fact that if I'm hurting this bad when he does something like this, I mean, what happens if I become a priest and I do the same thing and hurt all kinds of people? I don't want to hurt people. And, you know, just all this, I'm going through all this tension and sadness and difficulty. And I remember very vividly one day I went to spiritual direction and I'm laying all this out for my spiritual director and telling him all this stuff and why I'm so worried. And I said, what if this happens to me? And I'll never forget. He looked at me and he said, don't let it happen. And that was really kind of like the slap in the face I needed. You know, sometimes you got to just sort of wake up like, oh, yeah, I guess that's a good point. And one of those things where, yes, I had sort of like a tale of warning in front of me that was very scary, something I didn't want to happen. But he made a good point. Don't let it happen. And I would say as we look at this gospel today, I mean, it's, it's a strong parable, right? I mean, we, we've heard it before, of course, uh, every time we get to the end of the liturgical year and we're in the Matthew cycle. But to hear this on the lips of Jesus himself, it can be a pretty harsh kind of a wake-up call. I mean, the fact of the matter is, it says at the end here, that the doors were locked, they were shut and locked, and that the five of the, the foolish virgins didn't get inside. And he says to them, amen, I say to you, I do not know you. And I will say, as we look at this, I mean, there's one of those things where we can easily think, gosh, those wise virgins. They sure aren't charitable. But actually, when you get right down to it, there are some things that we cannot share. And I would say even looking at the parable itself, it points to this fact. If you notice, one of the characters that you would sort of expect to be in this parable is not there. You hear about the bridegroom, right? Where's the bride? You know? But notice, you've got these ten virgins. You've got these people waiting for the bridegroom. And that's five of them go in, five of them don't. Folks, it's representation of the church. We are the bride, both collectively and individually. That ultimately, our Lord Jesus Christ wants to know you. Wants to be in communion with you. And let that sink in for a second. And the fact that he says to the ones who don't get to come inside, amen, I say to you, I don't know you. And so when you look at the wise ones and think, gosh, it's just so unkind to not share. Well, there are some things you just can't share. Imagine a mom and a dad going into the graduation ceremony for their son, right? Mom has been there all the way through, you know, supported the son, stayed up late with him to help him work through those hard subjects he had a difficult time with throughout school was there on the sidelines as he played through his sports career, you know, was right there in everything, helping, you know, saving every penny to help him to pay tuition. 
Dad hasn't been around, right? Dad's been focused on other things. He's got the bar. He's got his friends. He travels for the career. He just hasn't been present for Junior. And on the way into the graduation ceremony, he turns to his wife and says, give me some of your relationship with Junior. You know, I'd love to have some of that as we go in here. Exactly. She can't do that, right? It, you can't just suddenly make it happen in that way. When you're looking at a relationship, when you're looking at that sacrificial back-and-forth communion, that's not something you can just hand off to someone else. Now, we can be good examples, right? We can show people that to be in communion with the bridegroom, with the second person of the Holy Trinity, to love Jesus Christ is an incredible thing. Do it. It is in your best interest. Stay close to him always. He's the king of the universe, as we're going to celebrate in particular in two weeks on the solemnity of Christ the king. And that king wants a communion, even deeper than a mere relationship, with you. And you have the opportunity today to respond to that, to be in communion with him. Now, we can be foolish and keep putting it off to the future, putting it off to the future, but the thing is, we don't know. As he says at the end, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And of course, that can mean on both sides of things, right? As we're seeing all around us. I read a talk the other day from one of my favorite sort of like commentators. He runs the website, The Catholic Thing. His name's Robert Royal. He was giving a talk to a college, and they asked him to really sum up in just a word or two the times we're going through. And he said, of course, difficult doesn't really describe it. And he said he really couldn't come up with another word besides apocalyptic. I mean, it's crazy. There's all sorts of things happening. I mean, between, you know, politically and globally, I mean, even just all the storms we've been having, we're working our way down the Greek alphabet, right, to name all of these hurricanes and everything else. Yes, there's all sorts of signs around us, but we already know that this isn't going to last forever. And you know what? It may be this afternoon. It might be a million years from now. Who knows? But the, the warning still applies for us collectively and individually. None of us is guaranteed another you know, 75 years of life. You just don't know. And that's why our Lord tells us, stay awake. You know neither the day nor the hour. It's too easy to keep putting him off, to get drowsy and to not pay attention to our love with him. And it's one of those things that we can't just grab from somebody else. I told you last Sunday about my love and admiration for my grandpa and him making those rosaries time and time again. But if all that was was a nice memory and I had nothing to do with the rosary, I'd be missing out. He can't just give me that relationship with our Lord and our Blessed Mother. I have to take it on myself. And that's where I would say on this Sunday that we reflect on this parable, all of us have to do to do some soul-searching and look and say, if the bridegroom comes today, am I excited? Am I waiting with the joyful hope that we pray about right before the Our Father and the Mass? We wait in joyful, joyful hope for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ, or are we scared about him coming back? And I would say, and if it is terror that fills our heart, ask yourself, why? Why does it have to be that way? Why can't I keep growing in that love with him? Why can't I be like those five wise uh, virgins that keep building up the oil of gladness, of loving communion with Jesus Christ, who wants it with us? 
And I'll just say on one practical level of the way I think to build up that oil, look to what our Blessed Mother herself told us to do at Fatima, right? Just over 100 years ago, she told us a couple of main things. Pray the rosary every day. Why did she say pray the rosary every day? You meditate on five mysteries of the life of Christ with the help of someone who knows him better than anyone in the universe, his mother. And as you do that, what happens? You get to know him. You, and he gets to know you too. You share with him in the midst of those mysteries your own life, your own struggles, remembering the fact that he is in all of this with us. The other thing she told us about was the five first Saturday devotions. And if you don't know about this, look it up. And I will say we do this here at Sacred Heart every first Saturday. We did it yesterday. We've been doing it now for three years. Thank Father Ross. He was the one who was very insistent that we do it. I don't normally give him credit, but I will do it today. Right? It's one of the best things we got going here, and it is his, it's, it's his fault. Okay? So it's really good. Um, but when you look at the first Saturday devotion, she asked for them. They have four parts that we do. We uh, pray the rosary together. I just told you why that's so important. We meditate for 15 minutes on the mysteries of the rosary, keeping our blessed mother company. What's that? Getting to know her getting to know her son more and more. We go to confession. And here's the beautiful thing with that, going to confession once a month. What if all you've got to say is, Father, I was impatient once with my spouse. Fantastic. Those are the best confessions for me. They last like a minute. I get to hurry up and move you on, right? It's when you come in and say, I murdered four people and robbed Wells Fargo. Yeah, that's hard, okay? Those are harder to deal with. I would much rather have the impatient you know, sort of confession. It's a lot easier as a confessor, all right? Come in. It keeps things in check. It makes sure that we're not sliding into a cold relationship with our Lord, that we're not falling out of relationship with him, that we're not getting, you know, dreary or uh, drowsy is what I'm looking for, like the five foolish versions. We keep things in check and make sure that that relationship is growing. And finally, the, the fourth part of the first Saturday devotions is receiving our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, going to Holy Communion, being in communion with Him. That's what He wants for us. And He wants us to experience it right here and now. Because ultimately, what lasts forever is us, the bride, the church, coming into communion with the bridegroom forever in the heavenly wedding feast. And we want to be a part of that. Yes, the world as we know it is passing away. The globe, the United States, our bank accounts, all of those things will be no more. But we do have an immortal soul. And he wants us to be in relationship with him forever. This parable today does warn us, is it possible to be locked outside? Is it possible to hear him say, amen, I say to you, I never knew you? Is it possible? Yes. But my brothers and sisters in Christ... Don't let it happen. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.